Good morning. Take out your Bibles, your mobile devices this morning. Turn to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. It's on page 266. If you're using one of the Bibles, you may have picked up at the door when you came in this morning. I hope you guys are excited to start our new five-week series called Strapped. We're going to be looking at what the Bible says about managing our money. So how many of you, let me ask this question. Let's all participate with raising your hand. How many of you would say a little more money would make life a little bit easier? Be honest. Raise your hand up. Look around. Okay. Little more money would make life a little bit easier. Dave Ramsey is one of my favorite teachers on finance. Um, a lot of what I'm going to be sharing comes from him. And yes, I'll just tell you right now, I stole a lot of it. And uh, he's, he's just awesome. And I'll be quoting him. He says this, money is fun if you've got some. If you agree, say yes. Money is fun if you've got some. Just, just turn to the person next to you and say, money is fun if you got some. Money is fun if you got some. Now, now here's the problem. A, a lot of people don't got some. <laughs> and that's not good English, but it's true. A lot of people don't have a lot of money or enough money because they're strapped. They're strapped. And that's what we're going to be talking about. And many people, if we're, if we're honest, the reason a lot of people are strapped, if we're, just, we're going to be very transparent, I'm going to be very transparent with you and share some things from my life that come with finances, what I've learned from God's Word and that Shelly and I have applied in our marriage. And uh, we're, just, we're going to have to be very honest about this subject of money and finances and being strapped. And the reason, if we're very honest, the reason why many people don't have a lot of money is because, and the reason they're strapped is because they've done some stupid things with money. With stupid with zeros after it. Okay? Now let's just be honest. If you've ever done something stupid with money, would you raise your hand? Now look around. Look at that. That's pretty much just about anybody. Okay? If they don't have their hand up, then once you meet me backstage, you could teach this for us. Okay? Because we've all probably done something stupid with money. Something dumb that we look back and go, that was really dumb. That was stupid. Why did I, I do that? I'll give you one of my stupid money moves. Uh, I, I like to go to garage sales. Anybody else like to go to garage sales? I, I love to go to garage sales. And why I like to go to garage sales is usually not to buy things for myself. Every once in a while I'll find something. But I usually like to go to garage sales because I like to find deals that I can resell. That's just kind of, I'm a bargain shopper. So some of y'all are like, oh, watch Pastor when he's trying to tell you, sell you something. And so I, and I've, I've had some success at it. I bought, you know, bikes for like 20 bucks and sold them for $100. And I, I bought snowboards in the summer for $25, sold them for $300 at times. Because I'm like, man, I know this will sell if I just hold on to it for six months. And so I've done pretty well. So Shelly and I, one day, we were at this garage sale. And this was several years ago. And there was this really nice china set. I mean, this was like place setting for 20. I mean, I'm not kidding. And I mean, it had the plate and the saucer and the cups and the bowls and I mean, everything you can imagine. I mean, it had like the, you know, the gravy ladle. I mean, it had everything you can imagine. You could tell it looked like it was an antique. And so I was looking at it and I, I think they were asking like, 
you know, a hundred bucks for it. And I, I thought, man, I know that that's probably worth more than that. And Shelly, she, she helped me in this dumb decision. I'm going to blame her too. I said, honey, what do you think? I mean, I think this thing's worth more. She said, oh yeah, that looks like an antique. I think that, that that's a good deal. So I talked them down to like 50 bucks. And I was like, sweet, I paid 50 bucks for this china set. I know I'm going to make like 500. And so I took it and I put it on eBay, no hits. I put it on Craigslist, no bites. We had a garage sale. I put it in the garage sale. You know, no bites. I couldn't get, I mean, I started like 500 and then 400 and then, you know, like buy 10, get the other 10 of the set free. I mean, I was doing everything possible. And, and, and I could not, and, I, and Shelly was like, Doug, just give it up. You know, you might as well just give this thing to Goodwill. I'm like, no, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it. Somehow I'm going I'm to get rid of this. And I kept lowering the price, lowering the price. We moved like four times while I had that china. And I moved that set every time. You know, we wrapped it up. We protected it. And finally, we got to Denver. And I finally, I think I gave it to Goodwill. And that was the end of that set. So we've, we've all done some dumb things with money that we look back and go, that was dumb. That was stupid. Listen, our, our goal in this series of Strap is not to make anybody feel dumb. It's not to make anybody feel stupid. It's not to make anybody feel guilty. All right? Because we've all done things that we look back and go, I wish I could do that differently. And we can't change the past, but we can change tomorrow. Amen? We could change some habits and some behaviors so we don't make any more dumb, stupid decisions with money. So this is not to make you feel guilty. So if you, if you got any, everybody just take your hands like this, okay, wiggle them, all right? If you got any guilt about money, dumb decisions, just shake the guilt off. Just shake it off. Shake, 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 shake that guilt off. Some of y'all thought I was going to say booty. No, you can't say booty in church, okay? Shake the guilt off, all right? We're going to start fresh. Shake, shake off the guilt. Today, we're going to talk... The first lesson in Strap is we're going to talk about a biblical perspective on money. Because we have to start by getting the biblical perspective. What does the Bible say about money? And today is more about the heart than anything else. Now, the rest of the weeks are going to be extremely practical. Um, we're going to be next week. You, you do not want to miss next week. Next week, the things I'm going to give you, the tools, if you will apply them to your life, can change your life, can change your family tree forever. And they're very specific. They're very practical. We're going to talk about uh, getting out of debt. We're going to talk about a saving. We're going to talk about investing. Probably the last week of this series, we're going to give you guys an opportunity to turn in your questions. And then we're going to take a Sunday and we're just going to answer questions about finances from this series. But today we're going to talk about the heart. Because that's where it starts. If we don't get the heart right, nothing else is going to fall into place. But if we get the heart right toward money and a biblical perspective, then I think the details will all fall into place. And so our key verse really for this whole series is Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. And this is a pretty familiar verse some of you have probably heard before. And it says this, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is what, church? Servant. Some of your Bibles might even say slave. The borrower or the one who's in debt is a slave or a servant to the lender. The borrower, the one who's in debt, is a servant, a slave to the lender. This word servant comes from the Greek word ebed. And it means this, a servant, a slave, or it means to be in bondage. In other words, it means to be strapped. When you owe a lot of people a lot of money, you are enslaved, you're in bondage, you're strapped to that person and that debt. Now, we don't normally go around saying, I'm a slave to money, I admit it. Hi, my name is Doug, I'm a slave to money. That, that's not what we usually do. We don't usually say, I, I'm in bondage to money. But we, here's how we say it. You know, we would love to get married, but we just don't have the money yet to get married. We can't afford it. 
Or we say, you know, we would love to start a family. We'd love to have some kids, but we just don't have the money. We're too, too strapped. We can't afford it. You know, we'd like to buy a house. We're tired of renting, but, but we can't. I, you know, I hate my job. I'd like to get a different job and something I enjoy, but I have to have this paycheck. I mean, I can't even miss one paycheck and make ends meet. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to help my friend, my family member, my, my brother or sister in Christ in my small group. I'd love to help them. I know they have a need. I'd like to be able to help them, but I just can't. I don't have the money to do it. You know, I, I know God says in his word we're supposed to tithe. The word tithe means 10%. We're supposed to give the first 10% of our gross income to the Lord. That's what the Bible says. That's how we're supposed to honor him. I know I'm supposed to do that. I'd like to do that. I want to do that. But I just, I can't and meet all my other bills. Boy, I hear the church talking about starting feeding centers in the Philippines and Haiti and Mexico. And I'd love to support those kids every month. But I, I just can't. You know why? Because we're in bondage. We're enslaved to the debt that we owe. We're, we're strapped. We, we, we just say it differently, but that's the truth. Let me give you some statistics that prove how strapped we are in America that are going to blow your mind, that are, that are very accurate. The average household, and you have these, I believe, in your notes. The average household debt in the U.S. is now 136% of the household income. And that's not counting the house. 136%. In other words, we spend 36% more every year than what we make. Can everybody say, wow? Do you see why we're strapped? Do you see why that is a problem? I mean, if we ran the finances of the Orchard Church like that, every dollar that comes in, we spend $1.36, I would tell you all, find another church. That is horrible money management. That's ridiculous but that's where we're at in America. There's only one group of people that I know that can do that and get away with it. I don't even have to say it. It's the U.S. government. And that's not a political statement. It's just a fact. And we're, we're like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. We'll do that too. It's ridiculous. Okay, for those, here's some more statistics. For those carrying a balance on their credit cards, the average credit card debt is $14,517. The average per card. So those people that have four or five or six cards, you can do the math. The average, here's how strapped we are. The average 21-year-old in America owes $12,000 at 21. By 28, they owe $78,000. In consumer debt, student loans, cars, houses. I mean, and you think about it, the 28-year-olds are the ones that are now probably getting married, thinking about getting married, and that's per 28-year-old. So you bring two of those together, well, that's a great way to start your marriage. $100,000, $150,000 in debt, let's go. Let's attack this together. Talk about putting stress, you know, and we call that the American dream. You know, got to have the big house and the, and the couple of dogs and, you know, the picket fence and the nice cars and maybe a RV if you're lucky, you know, whatever, all this kind of stuff. And we call that the American dream. You know what, church? If we're not careful, the American dream will become the American nightmare. And that's what it is for a lot of people. It's a nightmare. Here's one of the problems, and this is my opinion, but I've seen this to be true. Young couples getting married today, they want in the first year or two of marriage what it took their parents 30 and 40 years to accumulate. And our society has made it possible through credit cards and debt to have that, and we become strapped. We become slaves. We become servants to the lender. The average number of U.S. households living paycheck to paycheck is an astonishing 55%. 55%. Over half 
statistically, of the people in here live paycheck to paycheck. If, meaning if you miss one paycheck, you cannot pay your bills. How does that help your marriage? How does that help your family? How does that help your stress level? Listen, if we're going to get serious about this money thing and finances biblically, we're going to have to get crazy. We're going to have to get, as Dave Ramsey says, weird. You know why we want to get crazy? You want to know why we want to get weird? You know why we want to get nerdy about money? Because normal in America is broke. And normal in America is worse than broke. It's strapped. It's in debt. It's, it's bills. It's house payments. It's car payments. It's student loans. It's credit cards. It's sleepless nights. It's worry. It's stress. It's, it's divorce. Number one reason for divorce is money problems. It's depression. And we got to get to the point where we say, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live like that any longer. And here's the good news. There's a better way. There's a better way. And it's not my way. It's God's way. It's God's way and God's word of handling our money. Now, now some of you may be thinking, you know, why are you as a church taking five weeks to talk about money? I mean, shouldn't that be kind of separate, you know, like our, our finances is one thing and our Christian life and, and church is another thing? No. This is the exact right place to be talking about money because money is an issue of the heart. And God is more concerned about our heart than anything else. Can I have an amen? amen. Listen to what Jesus said. Don't take my word for it. Take Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, your money, how you deal with money, there your what, church? Your heart will be also. Where your money, how you deal with your finances and money, that's, a, that's an indicator of the condition of your heart. And this blows a lot of people away, how much the Bible has to say about money and possessions and finances. Two-thirds of Jesus' parables had to do with money and possessions. Two-thirds of them. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one in ten verses talks about money or possessions in some way. There are over 2,300 scriptures in the Bible dealing with money and possessions. That's five times as much teaching in the Bible than about prayer and faith. So can we agree that money and finance is an important subject in the Bible and to God? It's very important we talk about these things and it's very practical. I want to start by giving you guys what the Bible talks about. Two temptations of money and things. Two temptations that deal with money and things that we have to be aware of and be careful of. And how we view our money and our heart towards money. The first one is this. Number one, we are tempted, if we're not careful, we're tempted to serve money. We're tempted to serve money. I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. It's the first book of the Gospels, Matthew. It's on page 393 if you're using one of the provided Bibles. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this again is Jesus' words. If you have a red letter Bible, these words are in red. And this is Jesus speaking. And it's very interesting what Jesus said about money here. Matthew 6, 24. No one. How many people? No one. No one, no one includes everyone. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You probably can't. Is that what it says? You will not. No. You say it, church. You cannot. He said, Jesus says, it is impossible. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that, the word mammon is another word for money or wealth or possessions. Jesus said, you cannot serve God and 
things, money, and possessions. And that's interesting that God chose money and possessions. I mean, he could have said you can't serve God in power. You can't serve God in popularity. You can't serve God in yourself. But of all the things that he said, you can't serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. Why did he choose money? Why did he choose wealth and possessions as the thing that he says you can't serve God and, and, and money? I think it's because God chose money because he knew that money and possessions would be one of the number one competitors for our heart. The number one competitors for our heart and for our life and for our attention. Now again, we don't go around saying, I admit it, I serve money. Oh money, yes, I bow down to you, I serve you. We don't say it that way. But we serve money. We've all served money at different times in our life. Have you, have you ever bought something you really didn't need with money you really didn't have to impress people you really didn't even care about? If you have, say yes. You know what you were doing? You were serving money. You were letting money dictate the direction of your life and the decisions you make. Another way that we serve money, we don't say I serve money, but we, we do. Have you ever had money where you could have helped somebody in need, but you didn't because you wanted to keep it for yourself? You could have been a blessing to someone, but you said, ah, I'll let somebody else do that. You hoarded your money. You, you kept it close with a closed fist. That's serving money, not helping, not tithing. Not get, and, and, and listen, y'all are like, okay, he chose this series so he could talk about tithing. No. That's just one small piece. And we will talk about that from time to time. But you know what? When we don't give God the first 10% as the scripture asks us to do to honor him, you know what we're doing? We're not serving God. We're serving money. We're saying, I'm going to keep it close. I'm going to keep it to myself. I think I can manage my finances better than trusting God with my finances. That's what we're doing. You ever, have you ever fought to get up the corporate ladder and to get ahead at the expense of time with your family and the people that matter most when all they really wanted was you and your time and you to be around? We can all fall into that. I can fall into that trap. And when we do that, we're chasing and we're serving money instead of God and the people we love around us. Now listen, it is not wrong to have nice things. Let me say that again. It's not wrong to have nice things. I want you to have some nice things. I think God wants you to have some nice things. But God doesn't want those nice things to have you. And there's a difference. You see, if we're honest, we're all tempted at times to serve money and be under its power more than we realize. Here's another temptation. Not only are we tempted to serve money, but the Bible tells us if we're not careful, we'll be tempted to love money. Not just serve it, but love it. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. It's on page 480. In the provided Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10. Paul's talking to young man Timothy. And he's trying to help him not make some financial decisions as a young man. And he says this. Paul says to Timothy. For the what church? Love. Everybody say love. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. For which some people have strayed from their faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Boy, I bet we could line this stage with people that could give testimony of how they loved money and they chased money and they served money and it pierced them through with many sorrows. And some of you, that's where you are right now. And again, I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel bad. But I want you to say, 
I'm going to go through this series and I'm going to apply some things. I'm tired of trying to do finances my way and being strapped and being a servant. And I'm going to, I'm going to apply God's word. Because I don't want to serve money and I don't want to love money. Now, now notice what this verse says in 1 Timothy 6.10. It does not say that money is the root of all kinds of evil. But it, rather it says the love of money. You see, money is neutral. Some would say it's amoral. It, it, it's, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just money. It, it's kind of like my smartphone. Okay, I got, I got an iPhone here. All right? A lot of y'all have a smartphone. Yeah, how did we ever live without these? I'm just, I don't know how we made it, okay? But, you know, this smartphone is not good or bad. It's not good or evil. It's just a smartphone. It's neutral. It does nothing until I pick it up and I turn it on and do things with it. You know, and it can be used for good. It can help you be more effective in, in getting things done in business and communicating. You can call your wife during the day or text her and say, I love you. How you doing? You can check on your kids. You know, you can check the weather and boy, you better enjoy today. Have you all seen what's coming Tuesday? You know, I mean, this thing can be very helpful. It can be very good. Or this thing you can, you can text when you're driving and you can cause an accident that can hurt you and other people. You know, these smartphones, you have instant internet access anywhere. You can pull up things on here you ought not be looking at. This thing, this thing in and of itself, it's not good or bad. It's not good or evil. It's what I do with it. It's, it's what, what, how we use it. And money is the same way. Money is not the problem. We're the problem. It's not money that's the root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of money. You see, money really just reveals who people really are. It's a great magnifier. Someone who's very generous. I know people who, by, the, by society's standards, people would say they're, they're poor. But I know some poor people that are extremely generous and giving people and loving people. And I know some very wealthy people that give away tons of their wealth to their church, to local charities, to people in need, helping them out. Money just reveals, if a person is generous, money just reveals how generous they are. Or, if a person is greedy, money reveals how greedy they are. I know some people that don't have a lot of money that are some of the most greedy people I've ever seen. And, and, and many people would say, well, they don't have much money, they're poor, and they're greedy. And I know people that have a lot of money that are extremely greedy. You see, it's all a matter of attitude of the heart. Money just reveals. Money is neutral. It's how you use it that matters. It's a matter of the heart. <coughs> Excuse me. A lot of times you hear people say, you know, if I just had more money, I would do this differently. If I had more money, I would work less. Really? Do you know that statistics tell us that the people that have the most money work the longest and hours, spend more time away from their family than anybody else? More money just means more responsibilities most of the time. If I just had more money, then I would pay off all my bills and I would get out of debt and I would stay out of debt. If I just had more money, I would be okay. Really. Have you all noticed professional athletes making millions and millions of dollars a year after a few years of getting out, filing bankruptcy? Happens all the time. And they have all the money in the world. How in the world do they get in debt? How in the world could that happen? Because it's a matter of the heart. So the money's not the, the issue, it's the heart. It's the behavior that is the issue. You know, if I had more money, I, I, I would get out of debt. Have you, have you seen these people that come on sometimes, you know, Dr. Phil, and they've won the lottery, and then in like a year, they have not a dime to show for it, and they file bankruptcy. You know, if I had more money, 
Here's a big one. If I had more money, I would give God more. I would tithe. If I had more money, I would tithe and I would give God more. And yet, every statistic that I've ever seen is the people that make the most money, have the most money, by percentage, give the least back to their local church and to charity. They're the ones that usually hold it the most as a general rule. You see, more money generally just makes you more of what you already are. Listen, if you're broke and you're a jerk and you get a lot of money, you're just a rich jerk. If you're a generous, loving person and you're broke and you get some money, guess what? You're a rich, loving, and generous person. Are you all with me? Say yes. Listen to what uh, one of the wisest men to ever live named Solomon, who had it all. Anything you can imagine, he said, anything I wanted, I could have. I could have anything I wanted. I had, I had all the money, more than I knew what to do with. And here's what he said in Ecclesiastes 5.10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You know, J.D. Rockefeller, John, John Rockefeller said this. Uh, somebody asked a question one time, how much money is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And that's a lot of people's response to money. It's never enough. Money is not evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil and the problem. The reality is a lot of people are under the power and stress of money and they don't even know it. And as one of my favorite theologians, Dr. Phil, likes to say, <laughs> you can't change what you don't acknowledge. You can't change what you don't acknowledge. And for some of you today, it's time for you to be honest about your finances. It's time for you to just own it, be honest and say, I've, I'm strapped. I'm a slave. I'm a servant. And I don't want to be any longer. Now, here, here's the key issue. Here's what I believe is the key issue in America when it comes to money. The problem for most people isn't how much you make, but how much you spend. Let me say that again. The problem for most people in America is not how much you make. It's how much you spend of what you make. Remember that first statistic? We spend 136% of what we make. That is a problem. That is going to catch up to you. You can't just continue to do that year after year and not be strapped. We don't have an income problem in America. We have a lifestyle problem. We have a behavioral problem. I would even say we have a spiritual problem. We love money too much. We love stuff. We love possessions. And again, Dave Ramsey says it this way, and he's, he's one of my favorite on personal finance. He says, personal finance is 80% behavior and only 20% knowledge. It's not that we don't know how to do a budget. We just don't. Or we do one, and we celebrate that we did a budget, and then we never even look at it again or pay attention, and we go out and spend the way we've been spending. It's behavior that has to change if we're not going to be strapped. And it's time, listen church, to call it what it is. For many people, we're strapped. We're, we're in, you're in bondage. You're a servant. You're a slave. It's affecting your marriage. It's affecting your family. It's affecting your relationship with God. And it's time to stop. It's time to stop. It's time to say, I don't want to be normal. I want to be weird. I want to be different. I want to honor God because normal is broke and in debt and I don't want to live that way. And I don't believe God wants me to live that way. You can tell I'm very passionate about this subject. I'm very passionate. 
It's time that some people say, I want to honor God with my money and my finances, and I want to do it God's way from His Word and follow His wisdom. Do you think God might know how to handle finances better than anybody else? I think so. Now, if that's where you're at, and I, my goal today is to make some of you all mad. Am I doing a good job? <coughs> it's to wake you up. If I could, some of you all, I'd come up there, I'd smack you around a little bit, and then I'd run, you know? Because somebody needs to get in your face and go, what are you doing? Our care pastor, Mike Randall, he does most of our, our counseling at this point in our church, which frees me up to prepare the messages and things that only I can do. And so it's been a, a few years since I've counseled some people in their finances. But I, I remember, you know, my first 15 years of, of uh, full-time ministry and counseling a lot of individuals and couples with their finances and they would come in and they would start showing me their budgets and you know and it was all I'm just telling y'all it was all I could do sometimes just not look at them and go what in the heck are you doing this makes no sense no wonder you can't make ends meet no wonder your marriage is stressed no wonder you're depressed no wonder you can't sleep at night this is stupid when are you going to change this so with that in mind, let's, let's take a biblical approach. Uh, get a biblical perspective on money. And here is the biblical perspective I believe God wants us to have. Instead of loving and serving money, money should serve us as we serve God. Money serves us as we serve God. It's been said that money is a great servant, but it's a horrible master. But it's a great servant when you have the right heart and you use it in a God-honoring way. Romans 13, 8, Paul said this, Owe no one anything except to love one another. If you want to be in debt, that's a good debt to have. Going around looking, how can I love more people? How can I bless more people? How can I help more people? How can I love God more? That's the debt that God wants us to be able to focus on. But we can't do that if we're strapped with our own financial debt. So how can we serve, how can money serve us as we serve God and others? Let me give you a couple of ways. Number one, think about this. Money buys us time. Money can buy us time. You know, uh, if you have a conference to go to, and let's say it's across the country, and it would be a two-day drive there and two-day drive back, if you've got the money to pay for a plane ticket and hotel and do that instead of have to make the drive, you've saved yourself four days of productive work. You've, you've saved yourself four days that you can be with your family. You can be where you, you want to be. Maybe if you have enough money and you're, you're out of debt, you can maybe have a housekeeper. You can bless them with an income and they can help you with your house. And you, you can spend more time with your family. You can spend more time serving your church. And some of your ladies are nudging your husbands right now and go, that's a great idea. Housekeeper. If you have some money and you're not strapped, then this summer you can and should take a vacation with your family. And it doesn't have to be super elaborate. I would suggest you not take a cruise. <laughs> Might get into more than you bargained for. But maybe you take your kids to Disneyland or, or Disney World and you do that thing. Or maybe you just drive to Grandma and Grandpa's house. But you got to have money to put you know, gas in the tank and get there and food on the way and things like that. You, if you got some money, it can buy you some time to serve the people in your life that you love and you care about and spend time with them. 
Another money thing that money can do to serve us as we serve God and others, money is a way that we can help other people. When we're not strapped and we're not in debt and we have some extra that God has blessed us with, we can help other people. Money serves us as we serve God and others. You see, when you're not strapped, then it's, it's easier to tithe. Now, we should be tithing either, either way. The Bible says you're faithful over a few things and God will bless you with other things. And the reason some of you are strapped is because you're hoarding your first 10% from God. Ooh, did I say that? <laughs> Throwing it out there. Oh, Orchard Church must be struggling financially. No, because I, anything I have to do with the money of this church, we don't spend anywhere close to what comes in. We handle it in a God-honoring way. We have money in the bank. We have never owed one dime to anyone here at Orchard Church since day one. Never. It's not because we need your money. I want you guys to experience God's blessings by doing it his way. And when you're not strapped, money can serve you as you serve God and you give back to him. Here's the, here's the cool thing. Man, Easter Sunday, for the, those of you that heard, um, we had in four services Easter weekend, uh, over 1,750 people attend Orchard Church. But that's not the best news. Wait, but before you celebrate, the best news is we had over 50 people put their faith and trust in Christ for the first time. That's what we need to celebrate. <clears throat> and here's the deal. Every one of you that contribute and give and tithe to Orchard Church, you had a part in that. God credited that to your account in heaven because you had a part in that. You know, m money can serve us as we serve God and you can help with feeding centers. You can help your friends in need. You can help your family members. I, I remember when we started Orchard Church um, about eight years ago now. There was a, a single girl in the church we were ministering in in Pueblo and she wanted to come and be a part of the ministry here. But the problem was she didn't have a car. She had lived at home and she was in her early 20s now. She didn't have a car. And she was like, if I had a car, then I could come and I could help you guys start Orchard Church and I could help serve there. And, and my wife had discipled her. And Shelly and I, God laid it on our heart, said, you know what? We've always lived a life where we're not strapped and we're not in debt and we had some extra money. And we were able to do the coolest thing. This was the funnest thing I think I've ever done. We went out and we bought her a car. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a Lexus. <laughs> it wasn't even, you know, a newer Honda. It was an older Honda. You know, I think we paid $1,200. You know, she moved here. She helped us start Orchard Church. And then she recently went over and was helping start Orchard Church of Erie. And she drove that car for like five years. And we were able to do that because we weren't strapped. We, we were able to do that. Uh, we were at um, uh, Chili's. Uh, Caleb, my son, plays on the varsity baseball team here at Prairie View, and they were having a, ba for the whole baseball team, all the teams, they were having a fundraiser, and they were doing a breakfast at Chili's. This was a, a week ago Saturday. And so we went there, and we were doing the breakfast, and they were having this 50-50 drawing. You know, so you, you bought a ticket for a dollar, and then you know, they drew who would win, and you would get half of it, and the team would get half of it. And so some of y'all so are like, well, that's gambling. Well, I looked at it more as a donation to the team with the possibility to win something. And so so, anyway, so they, I come in the door, and they're like, 
Doug's a sucker for drawings, you know, and so they come in and they're selling me tickets. And so, so I, I bought some tickets and, and I worked a deal. I said, I'll tell you what, how many tickets will I get for this amount of money? And I got like double than anybody else. Yeah, I know how to do that. And so I did that. And then they did the drawing and my ticket was pulled. And, and, I, and I think it was like $600 was in the deal. So I was going to win. So the guy, one of the coaches standing up there, he's like, okay, Doug, you win $300. And I stood up and I said, uh, Shelly and I just like to donate that uh, to the team. You guys just keep it all. We don't need it. You know, and, and we were able to do that because we're not strapped. We're able to be a blessing and encourage someone else. Let's see, as Christians, we don't serve money. We serve God. We don't serve money. We don't serve things. We don't serve possessions. We don't serve money. We don't love money. We serve God. And money should serve us as we serve God. But you can't do that when you're strapped. I want to close with, with being very honest and transparent with you guys. I, I feel safe enough to, to do that. Uh, and I hope this will be a blessing to you, and I hope it will challenge some of you. Um, Shelly and I, when we got married a little over 20 years ago, we celebrated 20 years of marriage last Christmas. When we got married, we made a decision at the very beginning. We made some very important life-changing decisions for our marriage and for the future of our family. Uh, and that had to, We made a lot of them, but this one had to do with finances. And, and we just said, you know what, we are not going to be strapped. We're not going to be strapped like we see other young couples and marriages. We're not going to live that way. We're not going to start that way. We don't ever want to be that way. And we know we're going to have to make some sacrifices, some big sacrifices. And we're not going to be able to do some of the things our other friends are doing, but we're not going to be in debt. We're not going to be a slave to the, borrower, to the lender. We're not going to be strapped. We're not going to do that. We want to be free to serve God. We want our money to serve us as we serve God. And so we made some big decisions. One decision that we made, and I'm just telling you our story, uh, we just decided we're always going to budget on my income, one income. And anything that Shelley has ever made has just been extra. We've either put it in savings or we've bought things with cash. Um, you know, for the first three years before we had kids, we, we tried to buy a lot of things before we had kids. So that was out of the way. And we some furniture and things like that and paid cash for everything. And, and we made that decision. And that's one of the best decisions we ever made not to be strapped to two incomes and have to live on two incomes. That just was, and we knew that when we had kids, we wanted her to be able to stay home. That's just a decision we made. It's nothing wrong if you have two incomes. I'm just telling you, we made some sacrifices and so because of only living on one income we couldn't buy the house houses in the neighborhood that all our friends were buying in we couldn't drive the cars and the vehicles that all of our friends were driving because of, of the decisions and and the most important decision we made from day one was to continue what we had been taught from the word of God since we were both kids and that is the first 10 percent at least belongs to God it is we have never in 20 plus years of marriage missed tithing to God I mean that's just that's just a no-brainer to us and believing God would bless us because of that. And so we have never, and the truth is, if I can be really honest and transparent, and I'm not trying to brag, this is for the glory of God, we have given 15, 20% of our income most of our marriage back to God by feeding sinners and missions and things like that. Another big decision we made was, was this. We want money to serve us as we serve God. We are not going to carry a credit card debt. We're just not going to do it. And for 20 years of marriage, we have never carried a credit card balance with interest. Never, ever. Now we use, and this is where Dave and I disagree a little bit, but we use credit cards every month and we get the miles and every month we write a check and we pay that sucker off. That's money working for us. We're getting ready. I don't know if I should tell you guys this or not. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you this because this is, this is because how God has blessed us and how we did it, not because we make a lot of money. We're going to be going, um, sorry. Um, our son Caleb will be a senior next year. 
And, uh, sorry. You know, we don't know. He's probably going to go off to college and play baseball somewhere, and we don't know where it's going to be. And so we said, let's, we want to take a big family trip um, this summer because um, we don't know if it'll be our last or not. And uh, we've been saving points on our credit card um, for several years. And we had enough points accumulated, we're going to get to go to Hawaii and stay for two weeks free in Hawaii based on our points. And, yeah. And uh, so, so when we go to Hawaii here at the first of summer, y'all are like, man, how much we pay that, Pastor? We're going for free. We're, we even got two of the airline tickets paid for because we saved miles on another card doing that. So, you know, we know how to do that thing. But we, we just said, we're not going to be in credit card debt. We had a small student loan. We paid that off as quick as we could. And we just said, we're going to live debt free. And listen, y'all, it took a lot of sacrifice. A lot of sacrifice. If you're going to not be strapped, at some point, you've got to be willing to sacrifice. And you're either going to sacrifice early on when you're young and early in your marriage, or you're going to have to sacrifice later. And I'll just tell you, I've watched people, it's a lot harder to do it later. When you're used to the house and you're used to the cars and you're used to the stuff and all those kinds of things. And we just decided we're going to sacrifice early. We're going to live like no one else, as Dave Ramsey says right now, so later we can live like no one else. And we've stayed debt-free for all of our marriage. And here's the cool part. We, we wanted money to serve us so we could serve God. And being in ministry, we never knew, you know, where, where's God going to call us to? What if God calls us to the mission field? What, what if God calls us to Africa? What if God calls us to the Philippines? What if God calls us to plant a church someday? You know, we know that we can't do that if we're strapped with a bunch of debt. How are we going to live? How are we going to make it? And so we had lived debt-free, everything except for a house and one car. We never owed two car payments. We had one car payment, and the other was always paid for. And about nine years ago, we had a, a, an opportunity. Now, now, when we bought our first house, I think I've got a picture. Can we put that picture up? I don't know how well you guys can see that. That was the first house we bought. I had to Google map it. You can see the A there and get it off of Google because we didn't take a picture of our first house. It was that bad. It was a thousand square feet in Indiana. We paid $56,000 for that house. Because we were going to live on one income. We were not going to get credit card debt. We were not going to be strapped. And we lived in that house for five or six years. And, and then when we moved to Colorado, um, and I was at a church in Pueblo, and we were praying and believing God was leading us to plant a church. And at that point, we were completely debt-free except a little bit of a car payment was all we had left. A little bit on one car. And they said, here's the deal. You, you know, here's your salary. We've got a, a parsonage, a church parsonage, a house. It was like 75 years old. It's on our property. And you guys can live there for free. It's not much, but you can live there for free or you can go rent something or buy something. And we made the decision. And this was after you know, we had bought another house. And it was a couple thousand square feet in, in Indiana. And, and um, we, we made that decision. And we it was 900 square feet. The four of us and our dog lived in this 900 square foot parsonage for almost two years. And we were able, all the money we saved from not paying a rent or a house payment, we were able to be, get completely debt free. All the car, the car was paid off. Everything was done. We were already debt free from everything else. We were completely debt free. We didn't know anybody, anything. And right after we made that car payment, it was not, but a month or two after that, God called us to plant a church called the Orchard Church here in Denver, Colorado. And here's the truth. This church would not be here and would not exist if we were strapped and in debt. We could not have moved here debt if we weren't debt free and, and none of this would have happened.
as part of that. That's just part of how God works. And I, I just want to tell you guys that because that's the point. That we, money should serve us so we can serve God. And when you're not in debt and you're not strapped, then God can move you. He can do whatever he wants with you because you're not strapped. And that's our story. That's our story. Now listen, we, we just said we're not going to serve money. We're not going to love money, and we're not going to be strapped by money. Money is going to serve us so we can serve God. And, and you can get there too. Now, it, it takes a sacrifice. Either you sacrifice early or you sacrifice now. It takes a sacrifice. It takes work. You got to get mad. You got to get determined. You got to pray. But you can get there, and it's amazing the things that God will do when he sees your diligence and that you're willing to do that. Now listen, next week, the message is called Act Your Wage. Because a lot of people don't. You need to act your wage. And I do not, if you, if you want to get this, and you, some of you, listen, here's was one of my concerns about this series. Some of you are like, hey, we live debt-free too. You know, we're out of debt. We're, we're applying to Dave Ramsey and all that kind of stuff. So we'll just take the next four weeks off. No, because I've been through Dave Ramsey like six times, and every time I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That would be really helpful. That'll help us get to the next step. We can always learn something more, Yes. And you know what? If you're not learning it for you, guess what? You're learning it to help somebody else. You're learning it so you can help your disciple. You're learning it so you can help somebody in your small group. You're learning it, parents, so you can teach these things to your kids. You're learning it so you can help other family members, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers. It, there's something for everybody. So next week is going to be, I mean, it, listen, what we're going to do next week, if you will apply it to your life, if you have any debt, it will change your life. It will set you free. From being strapped. Would you bow your heads this morning? With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. How many of y'all be honest enough to just, just call it what it is? And you'd say, you know what? I need this series. I need to hear from God and His Word because I'm strapped. We're strapped. And I don't want to be in bondage anymore. I don't want to serve and love money. I want to serve God and I want to honor Him with my finances. And would you pray for me, Pastor Doug? Because I really want this to be the beginning of my finances being more honoring to God in a biblical manner. And you say, yes, I have, I'm strapped, but I don't want to be any longer. And I want to make some changes through this series in my life and in my family for my marriage sake. Would you slip up your hand if that's you all across this auditorium? Lift them up high. Hands are everywhere in every section. Many, many hands. The majority have your hands up. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those who are strapped by finances, for those who are in bondage and slaves to the lender right now. I pray, God, that you would get a hold of their heart, that they would get determined, that they would get mad, that they would say, I'm tired of this. I don't want to be strapped any longer. I want to be honoring to God with my money and my finances. And Lord, I pray you'd work a miracle in their life. And you would help them, Lord, just apply these truths, make the sacrifices, and you would give them that extra string supernaturally to, to do that. And that you would help set some free people free, Lord, so that we don't serve money and love money, but that money would serve us as we serve you and as we serve others. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, you can put your hands down. Let me, let me ask you this, and I'm just, I'm just going to try to be real with you guys. For, for many of you, to honor God with your finances, the truth is it begins with honoring God with your finances. What are we talking about? We're talking about a tithe. It's what the Bible teaches. The Bible says in Psalms that the tithe is holy to the Lord. It belongs to Him. And when we do not give a tenth of our income back to Him first, Malachi says we're stealing from God. 
we're robbing it doesn't even belong to us and for some of you that's where you need to start if you're honest you, you need to start right there you need to say you know what I have not been honoring God with my finances by giving the first tenth to him as he asked for but I want to begin doing that I know that's where I need to start Maybe, maybe that's why I'm strapped, because I'm, I'm, I'm not honoring God in that way. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one to look around for just a moment. But can I pray for you? You'd say, yes, that's me. I know I need to honor God with the tithe. I haven't been, but I need to. Let me pray for you. Slip up your hand all across this auditorium. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Hands in every section. Father, I pray that you'd help everyone to be faithful in their tithes and offerings to you. Knowing that, Lord, if we're faithful in a few things, that you will make us ruler of many things. And I pray that people, many people, God, would experience the tremendous blessing and outpouring from you when we honor you with our tithe, when we honor you with the first fruits of our increase, as your word says to do. And I pray that those that have never tithed, they would begin tithing and see what things you'll do in their life to bless them because of it. For those maybe that have tithed in the past and have stopped, I pray that they would get back on track, God, not because we need the money, but because they need your blessings on their life. They need to know what it feels like to be obedient to you and your word. And, and I pray that we'd hear many stories of blessings as people are honor you with their finances in that way. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just have one more question, and it's this. I know we've been talking today about debt and money. And there's a greater debt than money that the Bible talks about. It's the debt that we all owed because of our sin. It's our sin debt. And it's a debt that we all were in over our head because of our sin to the point where we could not pay our way out. We could not work our way out. There was no way for us to pay our sin debt. But God looked down in love and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay our sin debt. And he said it is finished. It is paid in full. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never had your sin debt forgiven, that can happen for you today. You can pray a prayer of faith from your heart to God's and receive Him as Lord and Savior today and have all your sins forgiven. You can begin a relationship with Him. Listen, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God is not interested in your money, but He is desperately interested in you, in your heart, and your life. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here and you say, that's me, I want to accept Jesus today. I want my sins to be forgiven. Would you pray this prayer of faith with me from your heart to God's? It's not the prayer of the words you say. That, that remove your sin but it's the faith where it comes from and it goes like this Jesus I believe in you I believe you died on the cross for me I believe you rose again thank you Jesus for paying for my sins today Jesus by faith I invite you into my life I ask you Jesus to be my Lord and my personal Savior thank you for paying my sin debt thank you for saving me today and with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time, I'd love to just pray for you in your new walk with Christ, your relationship with Him. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around but me, would you just slip up your hand just so I can pray for you individually? Yes, by lifting your hand, I accepted Christ. Say, thank you, God bless you. Thank you, ma'am, God bless you. Yes, in the top, young man, thank you. God bless you, thank you. Anyone else, just slip up your hand. Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith for the first time today to invite Jesus into my life to forgive my sin debt. Anyone else, just slip up your hand real quick and then put it down so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, thank you for the work you're doing here today. Lord, I know this is a touchy subject. It's difficult. I pray that my heart has come through. I want people to experience freedom. I want them to experience what it's like to not be strapped by debt. 
I want them to know what it's like to honor you with our finances and experience your blessings. Lord, we don't want to love or serve money. We want money to serve us as we serve you and others. And I pray through this series of Strap, we would do that. Thank you for those today who put their faith and trust in you for the first time and had their sin debt removed. I pray they would grow in their relationship with you each and every day forward. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.